Oops. Thank you, Ms. Danielle. I am so glad that we can trust God to provide us with the direction that we need if we want to follow him. Again, welcome. I feel like we've already had church, and so I'm going to jump right into it. If you haven't been with us, we have uh, been on this journey. I think now we're in week seven, week eight uh, of our Experiencing God journey. It's a journey through a a classic Bible study book, workbook that uh, a bunch of folks are working through during the week uh, to help us tune our ears uh, to the voice of God, to be able to train ourselves and grow to the point where, where we recognize that God is always at work and that he invites us to join him uh, in his work in the world. And, and as he invites us to join him, he speaks to us uh, through different ways. And when he speaks to us last week, we learned that it leads us to a crisis of belief that we have to make a decision. Am I going to walk away from that invitation like the rich young ruler did? Am I going to have some doubts about God's invitation to join him that leads us to this crisis moment uh, like the father who had a son who was possessed by a demon did or are we going to learn in our lives to kind of have that that disciples mentality that when when God speaks to us and invites us we just drop our nets and we say I'm all in I'm going to follow him we we want that to be us as a church We want it to be said of the men and women, those of us and the boys and girls who call Zion home, that when we believe that God has spoken to us, we know that he can be trusted, and our response is going to be, yes, I'm in. I'm going to follow. And so our our big thought today is this, is that when you say yes to God in your crisis of belief, you will have to make some adjustments. Miss Danielle talked about it, but that word adjust is one that whether we're kids or adults that we are familiar with. You know, at night when you're trying to go to sleep and you're tossing and turning, sometimes you have to adjust your what? You have to adjust your position or adjust your pillow. When you go to a wedding and you put on a tie that maybe you haven't worn in, you know, two or three years, your, your spouse might look at you and go, hey, honey, come here, let me, let me adjust that tie. It's a, little, it's a little crooked, right? If you're in the kitchen and you're cooking something and you, you take a little taste and it just doesn't taste quite right, you might have to adjust what's inside the pot, right? Add a little bit of sugar, add a little bit of spice, put a little bit more salt, a little bit more pepper, Sometimes as we get older, <laughs> we wake up, I'm looking at you, Ken, and our back, <laughs> who else would I look at? <laughs> and our back just doesn't feel right, right? And we need to go see a chiropractor, and we got to get our backs adjusted. When we set out to, to get in shape, right, we come up with a workout, and we come up with a diet, but after a few months, we don't see the, the progress that we, we want to see, and so we, we adjust our workout plan. I'm going to start doing a little bit more of this. I'm going to start dialing in this a little bit. We adjust our diet a little bit more. I'm going to add this to my diet. I'm going to take this out. A lot of folks, you know, when you look at your finances, have come to the conclusion, unfortunately, some too late in the game, I need to make some adjustments in my spending. I need to adjust where my money is going, what I say yes to and what I say no to. Those of us who've been tested by time, we remember a day 
when we used to have to get up out of our seat, walk to the television, and take those little, those little antenna, those rabbit ears, and adjust the antenna so that we could watch Saturday morning cartoons, right? And then there was a day that when we would be traveling down the highway, we didn't have, S, we didn't have Sirius or XM, right? We, we had AM and maybe FM radio, and we had to adjust the dial just to, to get it to tune in right. You, you get that, right? There's all kinds of reasons why we have to adjust things in life. And if we could boil it down to two kind of big categories, we, we make an adjustment when we recognize that something just isn't right. Something doesn't look right, feel right, seem right. I need to adjust something. Or the other reason why we might make an adjustment is because we see an opportunity to make something even better than it is. So we adjust. We're going to learn today. And hopefully you're learning as you're walking through the book, the workbook, as you've been listening, that when it comes to experiencing God, making adjustments is essential. Because God's invitation to join him in his work will always lead us to an adjustment. And sometimes, if we're being honest, our adjustments are the result of being out of line when it comes to God's will. When it comes to, to, to walking the path that God has chosen for us. Sometimes we come to this place and God speaks to us and he says, you're out of whack. You're out of alignment. Something's not right in your journey of faith and you need to adjust. A biblical term for that word adjust is the word repent. Repentance is about making an adjustment. We've taught biblical repentance is about saying, I'm going to stop going in one direction. I'm going to do a 180. I'm going to go in another direction. That's an adjustment. There are times in your faith journey that God will speak to you and say, it's time to adjust. And what he's saying, it's time to repent. But then there are also times when, again, we're living inside of God's will. We're striving to, not perfectly, but we're living in God's will. And, and God taps us on the shoulder. And he says, hey, it's time to, time to make an adjustment. It's time to alter some things in your life. And it's not because something's out of whack. It's because God says, I have something better for you. I want you to do something that's going to have an impact in my kingdom, which means it's going to impact your life, and it's going to impact somebody else's life. And it's going to make your life better, and it's going to make their life better. And when we see that and recognize that, we then go, all right, I'm going to adjust. Last week, we made this statement. And was simply this, you can't stay where you are and go with God. To simplify it, make it as simple as possible, here's what we want to understand today. We must adjust. We must adjust to join God. We have to. You can't get around it. But the truth is, not everyone in this room is that quick to say yes to God. And there are tons of reasons why, and I can sit down and we can talk about it, and we can meet over coffee, and we can text back and forth, and, and we can go round and round and round about why you're struggling with the idea of making a specific adjustment that God has said it's time to make this adjustment for whatever reason. Repentance, 
You need to get back into alignment with God and his will or kingdom-mindedness. I have this assignment for you that I want you to step into that's going to take some adjustments. You've heard God speak to you some and you're still at that crisis moment. You're still at that crossroad moment. You're still wrestling with several things like fear and uncertainty. The fear of what we don't know. That we, things that we feel uncertain about when it comes to God's plan. And the truth is that fear can hinder our willingness to say yes and make the adjustments that God asks us to make in our life. Others, and we said this last week, so I won't spend a lot of time here. We dislike our comfort zone. We like the rut that we're living in. It's comfortable. It's easy. Our current situation, our current rhythms are exactly what we want, what we like. We feel like we're in control, and we resist change, any change that God's plan and God's invitation might require of us. Others of us, we have our own personal desires. We have dreams, we have goals, and our dreams and our goals and plans don't line up with God's will. They clash with God's intended path for you. And so when you think about what your dreams are, what your hopes are, what your plans are, and lay them against God's, God's invitation, you're hesitant to say yes, because you know it might affect your hopes and dreams. Others, it's, you know, it's, it's that good old-fashioned peer pressure. It's not necessarily the, the pressure from society, although that might be the case. For some, your unwillingness to say yes has to do with your family and the expectations that your family places on you. And let's be honest, your family can influence you. And our temptation to be influenced more by our families than, than be the influence on our families hinders us from time to time from accepting God's invitation. That will require an adjustment on our part. Some of us are still wrestling with past mistakes. You have had moments in your life where you stepped into or you thought you were stepping into God's assignment for you and it didn't go well. Didn't end the way you thought it should. And so you look at that as a mistake rather than just part of the journey. And now you're a little bit hesitant to follow God's plan. And those are all reasons that we can provide. And, and I would, if we sat down with coffee, I would, listen, I care. I listen. I'm, I'm with you, right? But where we would get to eventually is what I think it all boils down to. And that's simply a lack of trust. We just don't trust God's plan. That he is a good God and he has a good plan for us. And when he asks us to do something and we say yes to it, it will end in our growth. It will, it will bring him glory and it'll be better for us and better for people around us. So we just let doubt take the lead. We lack faith. Listen, here's some, something that I want to let you in on. Every character in the scriptures had to wrestle with these issues. They had to battle doubt. They had to wrestle with, can I trust God when he gives me an assignment? Because throughout the pages of the scripture, God invited people to join him. And I just want to remind us of some of the heroes of the faith who had to wrestle with some of the same kinds of things that perhaps you're wrestling with today. 
Noah, right? Easy one. Noah had to wrestle with whether or not he would set his whole life aside in order to build an ark. Abraham had to wrestle with going to a land, moving his family to something unknown. Moses, again, the whole uh, foundation of this study is the life of Moses. He, he was the one who had to go back to, to, to his people and, and face them in spite of his mistakes and his fears. Something we may have to do in order for us to join God in what he's asking us to do. David had to leave his career. Quite the career, right? The career of a shepherd to become a king. But a king of a dysfunctional nation. Jonah had to leave his home and more importantly he had to set aside his prejudice, his biases, which was a big deal because the truth is we all carry prejudices at some level and we're going to have to leave those behind. We wrestle with, God do you really want me to reach out to those people? God do you really want me to, to get myself involved in this population? Do you really want me to really focus on this person or these few people? I'm just not even sure, God, that that you can do anything with them. I mean, look at them. And and like Jonah, we have to overcome that. And hopefully we don't have to end up in the belly of a great fish to to wake up, right? But Jonah had to wrestle with that. And then I think about Paul, and we're going to read some of Paul's words a little bit later. But Paul had to leave everything. Listen to this. Paul had to leave everything that he understood to be true about God in order to follow Jesus. Everything that he previously had been taught and understood and known about what it means to be religious, about what it means to be a follower of God, he had to say, I'm going to take all of that and set it aside in order to follow Jesus. See, if you're taking notes, write this down. To follow Jesus is to make adjustments in our life. Not just to follow him, but as we follow him. He is that compass. He is the word. When we started this series, we used the the analogy of the steering wheel and, and the GPS, right? That we are always looking to the GPS as we drive to make sure we're following the right course. We're always adjusting. Listen, that's what it means to follow Jesus, But we think about that and and we wrestle with, but is it going to make me happy? But will this this lead me to happiness? And here's the problem. We're chasing something that we'll never catch. If happiness is the goal of life, if it's the bottom line, if it's the end game, if it's the ultimate prize of your life, you're chasing after something that you'll never catch because happiness is fleeting. It's fleeting. So I have a better question. Well, what if instead of chasing after happiness, we set a new course for ourselves and we started chasing after adjustments? We just started saying, Daily, weekly, regularly. God, where do you want me to adjust next? What's the the next tweak that I need to make in my life? What do I need to repent of now so that I can be in the middle of where you want me to be in my journey of faith? What adjustments 
are next in my life? What if instead of chasing comfort, we started asking God to put us into places where we start to feel this crisis moment and we predetermine that when we get to that point where we have to make a decision, our decision is going to be, yes, God, I'll make the adjustment. I'll make the adjustment because I've concluded that you're worth it. I mean, let's, let's, let's chase after adjustments. And then again, when I think about chasing after adjustments, let's get kind of practical for a minute. It would be like an athlete who adjusts regularly to find an edge on the playing field. You, 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 you sit down and you talk with elite athletes they're always looking to do something. What can I do in the training room? What can I do on the, on, the, on, the, uh, on the court? What can I do out on the practice field to get an edge? What adjustments can I make so when it's game day, I can, I can rise above? They chase after adjustments. I, I think about artists who are constantly tweaking their work so they can get to their masterpiece. I, th- I think about the parent Right? who reads articles, watches videos, learns everything that they can from other parents who are looking for ways to improve their, their skills as a parent. They're chasing after adjustments in their life. The chef who, who wants, wants their, their master recipe, right? Looking for better ingredients, tweaking the recipe, always looking to make it better. The hunter I'm not leaving y'all out, though I don't know anything about what I'm about to say. But hunters, don't you look for edges? Something to give you an edge out in the woods? Something to just put you in a better position, right? To, to just increase your odds, your chances, the, the probability, the likelihood that you will be able to shoot that trophy buck. We chase after adjustments when it comes to things that we want, we can think of other countless examples of people who happily make adjustments so that their dreams can come true, so that their lives can be better, so that their futures can be brighter, their desire for a happier life, for a better life, for something more, makes the challenge of adjustments seem reasonable, not unreasonable, not too difficult, but but they embrace it because they want something more. Unfortunately, though, when it comes to our journey with God, we think making adjustments means making ourselves miserable. I mean, I mean, if I adjust my time, if I give, if God, God's asking me for more time, then I won't have time to, uh, if I, if, if I adjust my vocation, if I actually change careers because I believe that God wants me to change careers, do you know what a headache that would be? Do you know how much it will cost me? Do you know how much, much time and energy I'd have to put into switching vocations? I, I, I mean, I'd adjust my money, but man, I, I'm barely getting by right now. Or I've got plans for the future with my money. Like, if I adjust, like, we can go on and on and on. And we've talked ourselves out of making the adjustments that God wants us to make because we've concluded, I'll be more miserable instead of more fulfilled, more content, and dare I say, happier because we have obeyed 
God's word. I mean, I know we can. I mean, someday we will. But if we could somehow ask Noah, Noah, are you happy that you built the ark? We know the answer. If we said to Abraham, are you happy that you left your land? He'd say, yeah, I'm happy that I left my land, trusted God. I had no idea what I was getting into, but I sure am glad that I trusted him. If we asked Moses or David or Paul, ask anyone who's adjusted their life, if, they, if they're glad that they pushed through any discomfort, any kind of perceived loss, or any kind of real sacrifice that they had to make in order to, to say yes to God's invitation, what would they say? They would say, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad I did what God asked me to do. They, these, these individuals, Noah, Abraham, Moses, and, and countless others made adjustments because by faith they could see what perhaps others refused to see. They could see what can't be seen with the eye. The writer of Hebrews talks about what was behind their willingness to adjust in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 through 16. And, and the Hebrew writer is talking about some of these that I've mentioned, not all of them that, that I've mentioned, but, but I think it applies. But listen to these words from the writer of Hebrews. He says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised. They, they, they didn't know the end game. But having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. The truth of the matter is, One of the reasons that we resist making adjustments is that we are too focused on what is and not on what is to come. And if you're struggling with your yes to God's nudge in your life, whatever it is, no matter how small or no matter how large it may or may not be, if it's a God-sized adjustment, the thing that you need, perhaps more than anything else, is to just start looking further ahead. To to turn your eyes from what is here and now and right in front of you and begin to think about eternity. Think about what is to come. It's one of the reasons why we get stuck in mundane living as we think this is all there is. This is a drop in the bucket of what is to come. In Zion, if we could somehow grasp it, if we could somehow understood it, these heroes that we read about in Hebrews 13, and we're not going to unpack Hebrews 13, but if you just read their stories, they all died not having received the promise, not knowing what their step of faith, what saying yes to God would ultimately bring to them, and it brought a lot to many of them but they took the step because they could see something out in front of them that the people around them didn't have an eye to see, didn't have a heart to see, didn't, in some cases, have a desire to see. So Zion, today, if you're struggling with your your yes, please remember there's more than what is. Begin to think about what is to come. 
And if that's what you need in order to get to yes, when God says it's time to adjust, then by all means, get to yes. That's one reason why a lot of people struggle with their yes. But I want to share another reason. See, in life, when we get that nudge from God, when we hear God speak and, and, and it's received as an invitation to join him, See, what happens next is, is this, is that God takes us down a path that really is about developing our character because the assignment that he has for us and our character don't currently line up and he knows that it's going to take some time for your character to develop to match the assignment that he gives. And so his call to us might simply start the clock toward fulfilling something that he wants us to do later down the road. There's often a a lag time in between hearing God's voice and actually seeing the assignment that God gives us fulfilled. And unfortunately, that's when a lot of people give up. That's when a lot of people tap out. That's when a lot of people say, maybe it wasn't God. Maybe it's when, that's when a lot of people say, I must have been mistaken. See, when you say yes to God in your crisis of belief, write this down, the next thing that happens may be spelled T-I-M-E. It might be spelled time. Let's go back to the stories that we mentioned. Think about Noah. His call to build an ark lasted 120 years before the flood came. Plenty of time to back out, plenty of time to doubt, Plenty of time to say, I must not have heard correctly. 120 years. Abraham was told, you're going to be a great nation. And in order to become a great nation, he has to have a kid. Guess what? It was 40 years before a child was born. Joseph was 17 years old when he has this dream that his brothers are going to eventually bow down to him. But he's in his 40s. When that dream becomes a reality. And in between, he goes through prison, slavery, being falsely accused. He went through a lot between the dream and the destiny. Paul, his Damascus Road experience, when God shows up and literally knocks him off a horse, blinds him. It's 14 years from that moment until he sets out on his first missionary journey. And I want us just for a couple of minutes before we're done this morning, I want us to focus in on a couple of things that Paul said. See, Paul in his life, he's one man who if you read his letters, you would come to this conclusion. He never stopped adjusting. He, He never stopped tuning his ear to the voice of God and adjusting whenever God said, adjust. One example is a, it's a classic passage and I want us to think about these words through that filter. When he was writing this letter to a church in Philippi, he wrote these words to them. He, he's talking about the desire to experience the power of God in his life. Then he makes this confession in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. He says, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own 
because Christ Jesus had made me, has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And, and, and he says this, let, let those of us who are mature think this way. Everyone who believes that they're mature in their faith should be able to articulate or feel the same way that I feel. I've not arrived yet. I still have adjustments to make. I've come a long way, but I have a long way to go. I'm still listening for God to say, do this, not this. Adjust this. Keep doing this. I've not yet arrived. You get this sense in his letters that he never stopped growing. He never stopped adjusting. In the letter to the first letter he wrote to the church at Corinth, he, 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 he's talking about the gospel and he makes this statement in, in chapter 15, verse 31, just these three words, I die daily. I die daily. Does that feel like making adjustments ever end? Not to me. We wake up every day and we begin to say, God, what adjustment do I need to make today? How, what, what, do I need to, what do I need to change today? Where are you trying to alter me today? I die daily. And then in the, the second letter that he wrote to the church at Corinth, one of my favorite verses, he's now talking about the body of Christ. He's talking about all of us. He's writing to the church at Corinth, but, but this applies to all of us. And he had just, using the, the story of Moses going up the mountain and, and having his, his face become a glow because he experienced the, the presence of God and Moses comes down from the mountain and his, and his face was, was literally glowing and he had to put a veil on his face. Paul writes this to the church. He says, and we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I, I, I just, that phrase, that we are being changed from one degree of glory to another, speaks to me about the ongoing, never-ending, always looking for the next adjustment that we need to make in order to become who God's called us to be by accepting the invitation that he has for us to join him in the work that he has assigned to us that's going to make a difference in the world, that's going to make a difference in our family, that's going to make a difference in our communities, that's going to make a difference in our lives so that we can align more with who Christ is and who he wants us to be. The question that we have to decide in our own life is this, is in between that call and the fulfillment of God's assignment for us is, are we going to be faithful? Will we allow God to develop our character so that when the fulfillment comes, we're ready for it? See, again, let's go back to this idea that God matches our care, develops our character to match the assignment because the worst thing possible that could happen to a person is for God to have a big assignment for you, but you have no character or little character. Well, we see that happening in society a lot. People get a big dose of, of influence, but they don't have the character to handle it. 
They don't have the character developed to to handle it. And, And that success or that assignment consumes them. That's the worst thing that can happen is to have a big assignment and possess small character. So when God taps us on the shoulder and we say yes to it, don't be surprised if there's a waiting period, if there's a gap, if there is T-I-M-E between you saying yes and actually that assignment becoming a reality. The question is, will you be faithful in the in-between time, in the gap? This is where the adjustments happen. So, practically speaking, I've used the word adjust about 100 times this morning. But let me just give you a few areas that God may ask us to adjust. And if you read the workbook or you read the book, you'll see this, or maybe you've already read this. So these are just some of the areas that in the book are teased out. Uh, If you're not reading the book or workbook, I at least want you to think about them. I want to put them in front of you. But, But the question is, what kind of adjustments might we need to make once we say, yes, God, I'm going to trust you and say yes. I'm going to trust you in the process. Well, in the book and workbook, there are several that, that, are, that are mentioned. We'll put them up on the screen. You can write them all down. We'll go through them quickly. One is circumstances. We may actually have to change our circumstances. We may have to change our job. We may have to move to a new town. We, we may have to you know, you know, radically alter our lifestyle, our circumstances, big or small, might need to be adjusted. Relationships might need to be adjusted. Some relationships, and I'm not going to unpack a lot of this. You need to wrestle with this. Some relationships need to be dialed up. In order for you to say yes to God, God's saying you need to spend more time with this person or this person or these people, this group or that group. You you might need to, to dial up some relationships in order to adjust. Others might need to be dialed down. I, you know what? I, need to, I, just need to, I need a little bit less of that person in my life. I need a little bit less of those people in my life. That's, that's the adjustment that God wants me to make. And let's be honest, there are times that we just need to dial people out. And we, we have to conclude, uh, there's no way that I can adjust and join God in his invitation to me with that person in my life or those people in my life. I can't even have a little bit of them. I gotta get rid of them. I can't do it. Some relationships dialed up, some dialed down, and some completely dialed out. Our commitments, and, and again, man, this is that uh, preacher mode, right? Like, look, our life really is the sum of our commitments, Tell me what you're committed to and I'm going to tell you what your life is going to be. So with with that in mind, what is your life? What are you committed to? And and some, when God says, I have an assignment for you and you've got to adjust, it starts with your commitments. And you're going to to have to wrestle with, I'm going to trust the spirit of God. I've got some stuff written down, but I'm just going to leave it. I'm... I think God's big enough to to put on your heart the kind of commitments that you need to wrestle with in your life. But I will say this, or I ask this question, what commitment idol 
do you need to adjust? Because our, our commitments, and if we're not careful, they're not commitments, they become idols. They just do. Because that's what our hearts do. They make idols out of everything. So what commitment idol do you need to adjust? We might need to change how we think. Our ideologies might be challenged. Biases might need to be scrutinized. Allegiances might need to be evaluated. In order to adjust God and join him, we might have to rethink how we think and then obviously how we act. And there are some things we just need to repent of, sins that we need to let go of in order to join God in what he's doing. And then what we believe. We might need to adjust what we believe. What do I mean by that? Well, again, whole other sermons that we could preach on just that. But what do we believe about God? You might need to change what you believe about him. You might need to change about what you believe about yourself. And you might need to change what you think about others, how you view others. That might need an adjustment. What should be our ultimate motivation for adjusting our lives? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I do. I absolutely know. The ultimate motivation that should put us on the front seat, leaning in, listening, not to me, but, but to God, saying, God, you just tell me where and how and what you want me to adjust, and I'm in. The thing that will get you doing that daily, regularly in your life is keeping the cross front and center. Why? Because, and again, I don't want to overstate this um, picture, but in a sense, Jesus made the ultimate adjustment for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 Paul writes this, he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. When the plan of redemption was set in motion, Jesus adjusted he set aside his glory. He didn't cease to be God. But he left heaven and wrapped himself in humanity. Took on flesh. I'd say that's an adjustment. He did it for us. He who was rich became poor so that we who are poor could be made rich. And when you're struggling to say yes to God, what you're saying is what Jesus did for me wasn't that big of a deal. Wasn't that big of a deal. But we live with the posture that's just the opposite of that. Like because I am so um, captured by the thought of Christ's sacrifice 
that the best, and I'll never do it perfectly, we'll never do it perfectly, but the very best of my ability, whenever I hear God speak, whenever I hear him tap me on the shoulder, whenever I believe that he has an assignment for me, no matter what it is, I'm gonna say yes, because Jesus said yes to the cross. Because Jesus said yes to the cross. I'm gonna say yes whenever he speaks. That's about all I can tell you. I want you to say yes. And this morning as the worship team comes, we're gonna participate in communion together and then we have a baptism that quite frankly ought to be bunches of baptisms. But we're gonna let God speak in all of that. Communion, kids, if you're in the room, is God's way to help us not forget. Kids, you guys forget stuff? Do you ever forget important stuff? Things like, oh, I can't believe I forgot that. Well, guess what? Big people often are forgetful too. And often we forget the most important things. And so 2,000 years ago when Jesus was here, he was talking to his disciples and he said, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna set something in motion from this moment forward to help anybody who follows me not be forgetful of what I'm about to do, which was die on the cross. And so when we participate, when we take communion, and we're gonna do that in a minute, this is what Jesus wants us to do as a way, not the only way, but as a way to regularly remember his sacrifice for our sins. And we invite anybody who has made the decision to follow Jesus to participate in communion because it's for you. It's a way for you to remember. If you would call yourself here not yet a Christian or I'm thinking about becoming a Christian or I still have a lot of questions about it, this really is kind of an insider moment and not what I would, would prefer you to do is just observe, just watch believers take communion. Or I have a better thought. Why not become a believer today? Why not let today be the day that you choose to put your faith in Christ alone for your salvation? And if you're like, I'm not, I want to do that, but I'm not really sure how, then while we sing, come and let's talk. I'm going to be hanging out down in the front and say, I want to talk about becoming a believer. But what I want you to do is during this time, uh, again, families, those, especially those of, you, those of you with kids, this is something that you can do together. You can all come down and take an element together then go back to your seat. After this next song, I'll come up and we'll take communion uh, together and also be able to celebrate uh, a baptism. Uh, but if you're here today and you're not yet following Jesus, um, my plea with you is become a follower, a follower today. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. We ask that you would continue to move in and amongst us and through us. And may we always be willing to say yes to you and then be willing to adjust however you ask us to. Well, thank you for that. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand and let's respond as God's calling us. Mm -hmm.